And the motion picture is the most important art film ever devised by the human race. It is the, the art form that creates more empathy than any other. It creates our ability to step out of our own shoes. Hello and welcome to The Great Movies Pod, a retrospective film review show, the podcast where we watch and discuss each of the films covered in Roger Ebert's seminal film essay collection, The Great Movies. I'm Jana Gardner. I'm Nick Fulton. I'm Dylan Quayle. Oh my god. <laughs> Nick, remember the order? Oh wait, no, I messed up. Oh. I'm saying. Are, are, we, are we just rolling with that? Yes. Okay. Oh no, Dylan's disappeared from frame. Oh god. I need his shame to be documented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was some real shame. I... I thought J came after N. I thought alphabet. Also, I can never remember if it's supposed to be if first, first or name last, or last name. name. Yeah. So, that, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm always glad when I don't have to try to remember when to say my own name. Um, <laughs> anyway, now that that's been established. Who are we? <laughs> who are we? Where are we? And what's happening? Uh, it's a conspiracy. I was going to say, maybe maybe that's really what's happening, is you don't want us to know the truth. Um, anyway, <laughs> as maybe you've guessed, this week we are discussing the 1991 film JFK, directed by Oliver Stone, adapted by Stone and his co-writer Zachary Sklar um, from a couple of different books, um, most notably On the Trail of the Assassins by one Jim Garrison, and um, starring about 8 million different people, uh, yep. Kevin Costner, Stacey Spacek, Tommy Lee Jones... I could take up the entire podcast runtime just listing out Joe, the rest of the cast of this movie. Joe, Joe Pesci's eyebrows. Oh my god, Joe Pesci's. I, I listed the entire cast to my dad, and he was like, "What the heck? It's amazing. How did you get everyone?" I think Ebert. We're going to be quoting Ebert's essay because yeah. I think it's a really, really good essay. Mm-hmm. But he makes a good point of like everything is happening in this movie. It's it. So the fact that you're like, okay, this famous actor that you know very well and is very typecasted is going to play. This very part that they're right. very looking like, right. like, like uh, they have a to the person in a very tight cast at that part. Yeah. It, it's also, this is like the most maximalist movie I've seen in a very long time. Like everything <laughs> yeah. is just turned up to 11. Um, I was thinking about that, like when the movie was ending and we'll obviously talk about it, but like the closing credits scroll and all the text that comes up on the screen. And I was just like, oh my God, this movie <laughs> like not, will not hold back for one second. But yeah includes having insanely famous actors show up for a single scene and you think they're going to come back and they don't they like, don't walter matthew has two lines on an airplane <laughs> yes and, and he yeah he literally, that's back. it I, I spent the whole movie being like okay so he's gonna the senator's gonna nope mm-mm, just yeah that was awful. i thought we'd see him like at the trial or something right but... or giving a speech at the end or yeah commenting nope mm-mm, just done um yeah what a the big one was uh john candy comes in and is like the <sighs> hammiest person oh, yeah. alive for oh, about God. three minutes and i'm like oh he's gonna be like this weird ace in the hole that just like yeah. keeps his movies energy like you see him 10 more seconds maybe for like a slight cut in the trial. on the like, stand i don't know about exactly that. literally just one cut to him on the stand being like mm. um i don't know his his scene is like like you said amazing energy and is like the sweatiest <laughs> it's a pretty sweaty movie but that scene is oh boy uh just just listening um really D- despite having started in a movie called canadian bacon this is his hammiest performance <laughs> it really is but also so i'm sure you guys did what i did which is like every time someone came up i'm like hopping on the wikipedia i'm like clicking through to see who they were if they were a real person mm-hmm. yes. and like you were saying dylan and, and ebert pointed out 
nine times out of ten, whoever they're playing, they look just like him. Like the guy that John David Ferry was playing. Oh. oh yeah, he looks just like him. David Ferry's whole eyebrow situation. David Ferry's whole eyebrow situation. The, the, the distracting, but not inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tommy Lee Jones's wig. Yeah, that's a yeah. great wig. I mean, it never would have occurred to me until watching this movie that, yeah, Gary Oldman at this time did kind of look like Lee Harvey Oswald. Like, I wouldn't have thought yeah. that, oh, but did. it really it, it really works. And when he first showed up, I was like, that's crazy casting. And then it makes complete sense. I, I'd forgotten what a uh, somewhat understated... I guess, relatively speaking, Gary Oldman performance looked like. Yeah, right. this is this. That's very relative for like this sort of part. Yeah, yeah. he. No, I but also for the for for him and for the movie, like right. he's still a li- exactly a little hammy, I guess. But compared to most everyone else in the movie and the rest of his filmography, like exactly mm-hmm. pretty pretty quiet Gary Oldman, and I I, I liked him uh, quite a bit in this movie. Yeah, I thought he was incredible. He's yeah, he's he's maybe sort of the most low key element but in a way that really works I, I think as, as maximalist as everything is if you have a super over the top like cartoony lee harvey oswald running around mm-hmm. that just i mean not this movie doesn't maybe doesn't take a, too many bridges too far but that that might have been <laughs> that might have been it too also like and i i mean this literally and i don't mean this in a bad way uh gary oldman has like nothing to do in this movie no just lots of he's sh- basically shots of just standing in rooms yeah and just, uh, like, either recreating him doing the shots or something. I don't really know if he has any, like, actual dialogue in the movie. Um, he might have some, like, monologue parts or... There, we see him, like, responding to with... questioning a couple of times. You know, mm-hmm. he has, like, a, he, like, sure. responds to a couple of questions, but he does not But, like, even when he's with Fairy or something, like, it's usually either just, like, trying to recreate... I mean, a lot of this isn't actual stock footage, but it's supposed to, like, look like stock footage because mm-hmm. all of this is real quote in quotes um or it's like lee harvey was an oddball guy he didn't talk to anyone and he's just sitting there while like quite weird (laughs) yeah this was a very pesky performance like especially like it's so funny to think this is right around the time he's in like lethal weapon 3 like this is right mm. around that same time period <laughs> so good at lethal is, weapon 3 so good in those movies um but and this is a year off of goodfellas that's funny to think about um i did enjoy watching this sort of backwardsly after having seen the irishman and i'm like man joe pesci just revisiting tropes of who is involved in killing kennedy and conspiracies yeah. and another another movie uh told from a certain perspective based on events that may or may not have taken place based on someone who may or may not know what they're talking about. Um, I thought that was very amusing. Um, all right. Well, let me try to provide some semblance of structure here. So JFK, it was my first time watching it, but I know Dylan, you definitely seen it before. You want to tell us a little bit about your journey with JFK? I hated it. Yeah. (laughs) Did you hate it this time? Nope. <laughs> so you you uh you felt differently watching. Do you know? Do you remember why you hated it or what sort of? Uh, I well, I don't like Oliver Stone's style. I, hold on. Um, there's this great review that said Oliver Stone is like the um, room temperature glass of water of directors. Sure. That feels pretty accurate to me. Um, I he always feels so forced and. Like, just he always feels so empty to me, and he like I, I think he like he presents concepts 
without anything interesting behind them. Um, and I, I thought this movie was just like a crap load of exposition and, and boring for that. And I'm not necessarily wrong that this movie is a crap load of exposition and that's mostly it. But the sort of docudrama style and the writing and the editing that they built out of that um, worked incredibly for me this time. And so it, it changed at least that negative into a positive. And I think it took away a lot of the chance of Oliver Stone to do his really hammy force themes moments that he usually gets to by just sort of recreating it in this, again, quote unquote, stock footage way. He still does it. There's a scene where Kevin Costner goes and sits on a, a white swing outside his white picket fence house with his son around his arms. And he's like, my child, the America won't be as good as it is today. Can, can, and it's like, yeah, fu- shut the fuck up, Oliver Stone. Like, I don't I do not need this from you. Not especially not from you. So it's still it's not like it's not there. But the fact that he's working in this interesting style where he's like intercutting and you're figuring things out as Jim Garrison's figuring things out took away from a lot of that. The fact, I mean, as much as Kevin Costner is the lead, he doesn't actually, he, he's mostly just listening to people. And when we're focused on those people talking to Garrison and we're sort of in his shoes, I think that's when it works amazing. When we're more like, my wife doesn't like me because I'm too obsessed about the murder of an American president because I'm a district attorney. It's like, I, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't blame her for being mad about the whole Easter Sunday debacle, uh, which is maybe the most unforgivable thing he does in the entire movie. And like his kids are crying and daddy always breaks his promises. And it's it's so the stuff with the family is pretty good. It's not that it's not that bad. It's not like he missed her 21st birthday party. <laughs> right. That's a good line. <laughs> Time, timely reference. <laughs> that will be a few weeks old. This podcast comes out. Yeah. But you know what? That's been around for a decade. I, I have a true. feeling. Uh, I have a feeling in December people are still going to be like, oh, "I can't believe something about a scarf." I don't know. I don't care. I, yeah, I actually <laughs> was trying to figure out the scarf thing this morning and, and couldn't figure it out, and then gave up because I also don't care. Well, I, I, I watched the short just now, just like Did literally you? just before I, COVID, I, so I, can... I need to do that before I have uh, I have book club this after Zoom book club. This before you have it spoiled friends. for me. Well, no, just because that's we. This is a wild tangent. Uh, have our sort of monthly uh, Sunday afternoon Zoom book club, but this time around we read a book that nobody liked, so I don't think anyone's going to want to talk about the book. And all they're going to want to talk about is all of that Taylor Swift all nonsense. Too well. Yeah, and I um, haven't even listened to the song. I am not a Taylor Swift person, <laughs> so I have like uh, I got a lot of cultural catching up to do in the next few hours. Um, I listened yeah. to the album. I think it's good. It's like the ten minute version. Mm-hmm. Uh, ten, ten minute long version of the song, I think, is good. Um, it's really good. I think it's weird that everyone is like, "Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal will never be able to show his face again." It's like, there's a, I think there's a decent chance he isn't even aware of what's going on. <laughs> I'm sure somebody texted him, and I'm sure he's just like, eh, "What you gonna do?" Yeah, um, like, okay. Yeah, I know all the like. He's gonna have to like fly to the moon. I'm just like, he's gonna what? be Did... fine. It's just I also like, that's just internet they... speak hyperbole. You know. Didn't they date for two months a decade ago? Yeah, they did. I've, I mean, I've, went... I've dated people for longer than that who I guarantee you I would not recognize if right. I saw them today. Sure. I mean, <laughs> but if that person had been Jake Gyllenhaal, I think you would. Yeah, I'd be pretty <laughs> upset about it if uh, it was Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, if you dated for three months and you didn't show up at your 21st birthday party. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Go, okay, go, going back, though, um, to the family stuff. Oh, yeah, sorry. Jumping ahead. Sorry. Yes, um, go ahead. The fu- the, one of the funniest parts of the movie is she's like, and, like, you know, he hasn't been very present, and that's fair, but she, there's this moment where she's like, you're not, like, paying attention to your kids. And he's like, Martin Luther King just got murdered on television. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay. The timing right is now. bad. Yeah, the-, the one time he gets it fast is literally the most important civil rights yeah. act of it was just murder. Yeah murdered although related i very much enjoyed nick's uh letterboxd review (laughs) of this movie which was then all i could think about when i was watching that scene which is like your marriage may be falling apart but hey rfk gets shot it's time to to bone down all all we've done is argue but rfk just got killed time to fuck (laughs) jfk ruins their marriage rfk gets killed Marriage back, the sexiness is back. Also, like the the conceit of that scene is supposed to be like she she now like believes now because RFK has been killed. Now she's like, oh, now you're right. It obviously is a conspiracy. But is there any a lot of JFK conspiracies? Never heard that. Yeah, is anyone tying Sirhan Sirhan into like the anti-Castro Cubans? No, that's what's so funny is that I mean I could see that in the moment, someone you know, if you were her, you might think, oh god, it's all connected. But Mm -hmm. yeah, it's that does not actually end up one in the movie being tied into anything or anything I've ever heard in real life either. So yeah, that was so. In all those scenes, all those Oliver Stone problems come back to me. Mm That I, I just don't enjoy too much. But so much of the movie is that docudrama style. And all the actors, the editing, the style, I think it works excellently. So worked a lot better this time. I was glad because I was this was the movie I was least. I know you were like stressed I, about having yeah. to talk about this for the podcast. <laughs> Which is fair. I know. I I don't like to talk about movies no. I don't like. So like I was like, I don't want to be like wait I was waiting like two years to talk about a movie that like you hate. I didn't want to watch again. Yeah. Yeah, but it, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad I did, and it was a better experience. Excellent. Okay, so what did you guys think? Oh yeah, so uh, well, Nick, you you go. You you had or had not seen this before? I had not seen this. Um, I'm not like a big Oliver. He's like sort of a big blind spot for me. Yeah, I've seen same. a couple of his movies, and I've never liked any of them. Um, yep. The first the first one of his I saw was Natural Born Killers, and that was like. Tarantino wrote the script, very excited as a young, like, budding cinephile to see this thing that was written by, like, my favorite director or one of my favorite directors at the time. And then I saw it, and I'm like, this fucking sucks. I hate this movie. Yeah. It's, I've only seen ugh. clips of that movie, and it is Same, unpleasant to watch. I mean, it's something I haven't seen in two decades, so maybe I was wrong and owed a rewatch. But I remember not being fond of it and the things I've seen in the meantime, uh, I have not liked. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think your initial assessment was probably good there. Yeah. So I've always sort of just like avoided. Uh, I mean, he also did like the Doors movie, which was on VH1 all the time. Yeah. Uh, Dylan VH1 was a TV channel that. I know what VH1 <laughs> is. That actually aired a lot of music-related content. One of my earliest memories, or like, yeah. What does VH1 stand for? V- video Home. Okay. One. I, I, that, that can't possibly be true. No. <laughs> no, the face I made was because I've never once thought about it. It just always was. Yeah, no. Video hits video one. Hits video one. hits one. Okay. Yeah. That's honestly no better. No, it's not. Um, but oh, one of my earliest memories is of my uh, parents. One of the very first times I ever had a babysitter was my parents uh, went to go see the Doors movie and left me home with a babysitter. And my mom came home from that movie very mad. <laughs> 
did not care for it. She was not happy. She also didn't like the doors. Like, she was like my dad did. And so that's why they went to go see it. But she did not like the doors and she did not like that movie. So it was a one two punch of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it was really. I, I don't think she was really set up for failure there. Um, yeah. But I've never seen more than a few clips of that either. Has so. she seen JFK? The... <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'll have to ask her. I doubt it. <laughs> That's the crazy thing is his movies are such in the public consciousness. Oh, yeah. Like so much stuff from Natural Born Killers is either referenced or they show clips of Platoon, JFK, Born on the Fourth of July, Wall Street, yeah. all this stuff. There's quotes, there's scenes, there's stuff about them. Like like uh, Woody Harrelson's glasses in Natural Born Killers is such a distinct look that mm-hmm. is now replicated mm-hmm. in pop culture yeah that is and i don't think i could think of someone that was so out of touch with actual (laughs) themes of the movies he talked about yeah but like you said they really really they really hit the zeitgeist like it did it you know and but so similarly the only oliver stone movies i had seen before now absolutely insanely were any given sunday and then Savages from 2012, oh, sure. okay. <laughs> which I went and saw in the theater. Uh, my friend's brother worked on that movie. And so we all oh, went cool. to go see it um, and apparently had a miserable time working on the movie. Although I think he – oh, God, I wish I could remember. I think he liked Oliver Stone okay. He was like an assistant editor or okay. something on the movie. I, I think – Well, Savage seems like a horrible place to be to work. It is. Uh, that movie. Seems insane. Yikes, yikes, yikes. Um, but so, yeah, I, yeah it, I always felt kind of bad that those were the – only ones of his I've seen. I haven't seen until now any of the classics. I've never seen Platoon, Wall Street, Born on the Fourth of July, Doors, like yeah. any of you know, Nixon, like any of those I've never seen. So, um, yeah, it was kind of weird coming into this one, being like W. I was going to say, hasn't he made three different president-based? Uh... Yes, it's called the President. JFK, trilogy, Nixon, and W. God, I forgot he made that mm. World Trade Center movie back in '06. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, no, he really, he obviously really tries to make these movies to, like, latch on to some sort of cultural moment or theme mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, and then, ultimately, so many of them come back to the Vietnam War was bad, <laughs> which is kind of where everything Whoa. ends up. Like, I know. He's, he's listed as an uncredited producer on Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, but he directed it? That's weird. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> I'm also looking at his filmography chart on his Wikipedia, and and it's a weird one, um, to say the yeah. least. Yeah. Oh, that, that's another thing is he wrote Scarface, and I am not a Scarface uh, no. fan. I mean, the same thing. He's like, drugs are bad. Yeah. He, he kind of comes into these things. He latches on. He says, like, a basic statement. And then he, like, makes a movie about that without really adding much, at least in my opinion. I know there's a lot of people that like him. Yeah. That, we got the Snyder heads mad in the in the horror movie draft podcast. I'll get the the Stone heads mad. There was there was what did, what did I say to you guys in the chat? There was something that was brought up in the horror movie draft. Dylan, Dylan not I, having heard of the craft. Oh, that's, that's wild. <laughs> oh no, Nick's gonna quit the podcast again. Yeah, yeah, you should have seen my face. Okay, what, what's okay? Is that better or worse than not knowing who David Duchovny is by name? I know who he is, but I didn't know it was by I mean, it's very similar in terms of just you as a person who was not conscious in the year 1996 is really what it boils down to. Yeah. Like. I wasn't alive for much. That's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. So that's. That, that's yeah, all I guess the craft is from 96, isn't it? It might be 95, but it's it's right around 
that. It's 95 sure. or 96. Um, yeah. Um, neither of you have seen Last Night in Soho yet, right? Although, no, Dylan, you would no. not be able to answer this question. Anyway, there's a scene in that movie that I think is a homage to the craft or basically I think there's some char- <laughs> I think there's some characters in the movie who are dressed like the characters from the craft um, but I'll have to wait till it's on demand so I can go back and find that <laughs> I tried googling and there's nothing it'll be your your Zapruder film it's my Zapruder is gonna be like okay do the earrings match um, anyway d- digression <laughs> um, so yeah so Oscars yes well, I was gonna say, well the last thing I'm gonna say is so both Nick oh, and I had not seen yeah JFK. Yeah. This is like a weird blind spot. Like this is one of the most yeah. mainstream, biggest movies in this yeah. whole book. Like I think if like most people had yeah. seen a single movie, like this would be one of the top ones on the list. I just think yeah, that's big Oscar, it. big Oscar player, like referenced a lot. Like I like I s- sent to you guys in the chat. There was a Clerks TV show bit from episode four, which if uh, people don't have the episodes memorized, it's the one with the Korean animation studio ending. Sure, but, sure. But there's a uh, a bit where the Donald Sutherland character has a conversation with Randall about conspiracies. And I, for my whole life of knowing that thought it was an all the president's men bit. But then I saw this and I was like, Oh, well, it's clearly a JFK. It's clearly JFK. It would make sense. But, I mean, even sort of that and like going to DC and him, you know, being a Mr. X, like it was very, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was very <laughs> deep throaty in terms of, you know, yeah, s- yeah. same similar vibe. Um, so. so also, I, I guess if we're talking about, uh, comedy tv show references to jfk um there's a seinfeld bit which is completely out and like i i I think it's not like a general jfk um, oh no it's a a reference to this movie the yeah because wayne knight is in jfk and he's in seinfeld and he's playing Connolly in the recreation of the magic bullet scene Mm -hmm. um and he's like he's like he has his body and his arm shaped in a certain yeah. way, and Costner has his little like pointer know, thing, yeah, point to a board mm-hmm. at, and uh, Jerry has a golf club that he's like mm-hmm. doing the thing is, and Wayne Knight is in the same yep. position in both areas. It is it's so back funny. into the left, back into the left, just <laughs> it takes a dive. <laughs> I should go back. I I should go back and rewatch that Seinfeld scene. I haven't yeah. seen that episode in a few years. Uh, but yeah. but no, I mean, I remember like that's one of those things that I I knew that it was a reference. Like I knew it was a reference to JFK, but it's just funny that I've seen that episode probably ten times. Just used to be on TV all the time and had never actually seen the big it's JFK at all, let alone the big courtroom scene until this weekend. So like, oh yeah, oh, that's pretty good. It's always fun when you can retroactively be like, that's a good reference oh, that's something. What that is. Yeah, or like even if I knew what it is, be like, okay, that's actually a pretty uh, pretty accomplished little uh, riff you're doing there. Um, so you wanted to shockingly accurate. All right. So you want to talk uh, Oscars, the 64th Academy Awards for the movies of, of 1991. The Silence of the Lamb. The Silence of the Lamb. That's why I didn't realize. Weirdly, we can't have like a weird debate of like, why Why did the Oscars pick this? It's yeah. I know. It's Silence of the Lambs. Well, like... It is one of the great examples of category fraud, I do have to say. Anthony Hopkins as a lead. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, I would it, never let that fly. Is the is the category stickler? I'm trying to yeah. think. I mean, it's interesting that they. It, it's interesting that they went that. I mean, you, you often see it the other way around, right? In terms of bad categorization, you so often see people mm-hmm. downshifting Demoted. into supporting. Um, but I guess just had to stay away from that. Uh, 
Jack Palance. I was going to say, do you think he would have? Do you think he would have beaten Jack Palance? <laughs> I mean, I, this so weird Oscar year. Weird. That's a the that's that a weird that's Jack, a weird win. That's one of the weirdest Oscars of all time. I completely had forgotten he won. I remember that he was nominated. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgot that he won. Have you guys seen City Sluggers? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. It, it's 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 a great. fun movie. Yeah, yeah. It's and I mean this literally, and again. Not necessarily derogatorily, but it's a joke of a performance from Jack Palance. Like he's he's just ripping par- on what yes, he's all. Yes, it's a parody of his own persona. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's it. Yeah, got yeah. And it. the other thing is like, okay, whatever. Like they give you know honorary Oscars like this to famous old people all the time. Mm-hmm. Jack Palance. I know. Yeah, this, like he was a it, popular. Yeah, it seems like the type of. Uh... You know, Christopher like, Plummer finally to? getting one. But, Plummer, exactly. Like, but, but Jack Palance, like, you know, liked liked by people and I think well enough known. But very not Very popular actor, but like... Yeah. I don't think anyone in, in 1990 is like, when's Palance going to get his Oscar? <laughs> right. Yeah, like, what Oscar are we making up for Jack Palance? All respect to Jack Palance. He's great. But like, where are we making up here? Yeah. No, I mean, it was just, it was a phenomenon. Like, it's one of those weird things that just took the culture by storm. It was just huge that year. Everyone got behind that. And the list of people he beat were Tommy Lee Jones, Harvey Keitel, Ben Kingsley. I know, and Michael Lerner from Barton Fink, like... Who's very good in Barton Fink, but I always am mad that that spot is not John Goodman I know, and Barton is... Fink. Like, it feels so weird that that's not Goodman. Yeah. Goodman's so good. Yeah. Do Keitel or Tommy Lee Jones have Oscars? No. Tom, Tommy no, Lee Jones. Tommy Does Lee Tommy Lee Jones fugitive? Fugitive? He wins, yeah. yeah, he wins fugitive. right after this. So he gets kind of a makeup. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad. And I love that that's his Oscar. I think that's. Yeah, so I, I was going to say, that's the kind of movie where a lot of times it would get overlooked, I feel like, by the Oscars. Where we would like point to that being like, Come on. that was yeah. the one he should have won yes. for. And yeah. then he wins and for action. Lincoln in 2012. Right. And it's like, well, he speechified a lot. And they were like, oh, we should have given it to him in the fugitive. No, he won it for The Fugitive, and that that's one of his best performances. I really like He's... him in Lincoln, too. I, I was about to say the opposite. I don't like him in Lincoln. <laughs> we, like him. We've, we've had this discussion this, before I, where Nick yeah. and I I know, like and him, I like him, I him in Lincoln. I know. I, but I like Lincoln as a movie much more than you do, Dylan. Yeah. I'm, it's good. I'm high on Lincoln, and I'm high on his performance. Dylan just Lincoln. doesn't like any movies that are named after presidents who've been assassinated. That's true. <laughs> I like JFK, and I like Lincoln. I just... I, I don't. I think JFK is better than Lincoln. That's. Uh, I think Warhorse is better than Lincoln. I think that's my hot take. I love Warhorse. I mean, there are people who defend Warhorse, but yeah, better than Lincoln is than definitely Warhorse. a is definitely a take. Um, I, I I can't judge my entire exposure to um to Warhorse. It's just the trailers that played constantly and nonstop that year over and over again. Those trailers were incessant. Oh my god, and just like the same quote. Oh my god. Uh, I can't even remember now what it is that Benedict Cumberbatch like yells in that trailer that just lived in my Oh mind. yeah, it was like, for free. Yeah, like when, when they were like starting a charge. Yeah, which I believe and then, um, they, they all get wiped out one... right after that. Yes, literally they all die. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Nick, who's the actor from A Prophet that shows up in that movie? Oh, um... He's... He's so good. The older guy. I can never... Yeah, but he's such a good actor. But he has, like, a line in the trailer, too, where I felt like I could have quoted that. Sorry, I'm I'm trying to look up to see if Harvey Keitel's ever even been nominated. He's nominated this year. Well, he's nominated right here, Nick. That's why why we were talking about it. Oh, yeah. For Bugs... For Vicky... For, uh... Is this his only nomination? I think it... It could be. Might be. So he didn't get nominated for, like, Taxi Driver or The Piano? 
Like, what are we doing here, guys? Um, what? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. He has a Golden Raspberry nomination for Judas Iscariot in The Last Temptation of Christ. Wow, that's rude. What? That should be a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Judas Iscariot. <laughs> no, I know, exa- I know exactly why they gave it to him. Because... Uh, well, yeah, because they're stupid. And they don't well, know what good acting is. No... <laughs> This is uh, maybe coming into play with uh, recent Ridley Scott quotes about uh, accent yeah. work, but he's Yo, just no, no, he's just not even bothering. <laughs> does he just yeah, sound I like he's care. he's great? Like, does he just like sound like he's from New York when he's playing Judas? He's he's a he's a Brooklyn Judas. Uh, he also That's has good. like some great hair uh, situation going on. Great movie. He's a- he's acting a lot, but in the movie, I think it's very good. I think that's that's dumb. That for me, I think is Scorsese's most underrated movie. That or si- it's it's his religious trilogy. That's pro- like every single one of those are probably his most underrated. Sorry, now I'm just looking at a list of Harvey Keitel performances. His, yeah, it does seem like his only Oscar he, nomination is nothing for, for piano, nothing for Bad Lieutenant. Um, for, he got a he got an Independent Spirit Award. Uh. It looks like he won the Independent Spirit Award for Best Male Lead for Bad Lieutenant, so that's cool. Yeah, like, um, but just, just literally, he got an Australian Film Institute Award for Best Actor in a Leading yeah. Role for The Piano, and that is it. That's crazy because he's so good in The Piano. Hey, he was nominated right. for a Saturn Award from for uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Sending to the chat just... just so you can see what his hair looks like in oh, uh, in Last Temptation. It's incredible. Imagine Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones' hair in this, but uh, br- just hot red. He looks like he walked out of Dune there. Like, he like lynches Dune. Yeah, that's like actually the, a really good like, vibe. It's like a curly sting in yes, Dune. Yes, that, that's exactly what he looks yes! like. Yes! Yeah. Oh, I love The Last Temptation. Uh, the fact that that movie got a Golden Raspberry nomination anywhere. Yeah, it's just... bananas. Oh, speaking of um, Ridley Scott, aforementioned, this was also the Thelma and Louise year. Um, so, uh, pretty well with that, got a, a best director nomination. This best director lineup of Jonathan Demme, John Singleton, Barry Levinson, Oliver Stone, Ridley Scott. Yeah, it's a good lineup. Yeah, it's a good lineup. I'm not a Levinson or Stone fan, but I can't deny that that's like an all time, like those are the big, especially at that time. I was going to say real nineties. Mm-hmm. lineup situation exactly. yeah yeah and it's i mean i i'm not gonna argue with silence winning like any of the big five that it was nominated yeah. for i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make right. that hot take it's <laughs> it's a very fucking good movie right yeah i i wouldn't take away i don't think anything from it yeah i i think i Although, would give tommy lee jones supporting over jack palance yes yeah I haven't seen oh, Bugsy, so I can't. I neither John Goodman yeah. supporting. Yeah, well, out of the out of these five, I mean, though, otherwise, like I would, I, I would give I'd John. I'd still probably give it to Lerner. From Barton Fink. But that's me. Yeah, I will say talking about like all time like big five names for something: Jodie Foster, Gina Davis, Laura Dern, Betty Midler, Susan Sarandon. It is a yeah, yeah. That, that's an amazing lineup. Um, I forget. I always forget about Laura Dern's Rambling Rose Actresses. nomination. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, actress lineup. That I always, I always heard about Laura Dern's Rambling Rose <laughs> nomination. Mm-hmm. Well, because she got this nomination, and then it obviously didn't end up winning an Oscar. You know, she was she was a real like she's due, right? Yeah, when is, is she going to get her? Yeah, because yeah, this was twenty five plus years later. You know, between this and then when she ends up winning her Oscar, um, so that makes sense. 
it may have just um, because been just because she'd won um for coal miners daughter i think but i'm a little surprised to see spacex doesn't get a nom here yeah i am too and we it it may be she'd be yeah. in supporting though yeah. yeah yeah and i haven't but juliet lewis got one in cape fear she's That's like crazy yeah <laughs> i i i, I circling a little bit back to one of the many problems I have with natural born killers. I, I do not think much of uh, Juliette Lewis in general <laughs> or just in that movie. Uh, well, both, both, I suppose um, <laughs> as, as an actor and uh, also as a person. Well, I don't really want to get into that. Is she, a, is she a wacko? I don't know. I mean, that would not, I don't know. Either. Oh, she's a Scientologist. And if hey. people want to, oh, okay. uh, we could extrapolate. But even if you want to use like a sliding scale of Scientologists, um, I would say oh, no. she's said some of uh, more terrible things to people can look into it. Um, oh, 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 I just remember. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's a bad person. Yeah. She's not a very good person. Yes. Um, and now. So- Nick, I, I do want to ask you, given your um, Hopkins should not be in lead actor yes i think hopkins would beat jack palance no i actually that wasn't what i was asking but um between then warren Beatty, de niro nick this is actually hopkins warren Beatty, robert de niro nick nolte robin williams yeah that is an incredible lineup too mm-hmm. but between the other four who would you have preferred to see win so i actually haven't seen bugsy or prince of tides between those um i don't know I, I like both of the De Niro and Williams roles, but I'm not like mm-hmm. over the moon about either of them. Sure. Um, I don't know. Cap- one of Costi's favorite movies is Prince of Tides. I need to watch that. Give it to Nick Nolte. People, this he's a year off of uh, People's Sexiest Man Alive. I think. I think it was like this year. Oh, I feel true. like it was it this year. I, that I, really I feel like it might have been because t- as you know. Um, not, not to accuse the, the the fine folks over at People Magazine of being anything less than objective in their choice of sexiest man alive, but um, it is quite often tied to someone with a uh, big project coming out. Yeah. Um. Not again. Not that Paul Rudd isn't the sexiest man alive, but I did finally accidentally see the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer yesterday, and I was like, Oh yeah, he's about to have a big old movie come out, isn't he? <laughs> is it going? Is it, it really looks like one of the worst movies? I was going to say, is it going to be a big old yes. movie? I. I was I had not watched the trailer because I just do not care, and then I it played in a theater and I was trapped with it, and so I finally watched it yesterday. I was just like, oh god, oh I hate every minute of this. <laughs> you know how so we much. talked about like I wasn't sure if the King O died thing was real or a bit. Oh yes. Is there a character in the new Ghostbusters movie named Podcast, <laughs> or is that something that people made up? I mean, it's it's something I've seen on Twitter, but I I do not know if that is real or not. Um, this is definitely an entire movie that I'm not sure what could be Exists. real or what could be a bit or like I was reading it not in a good way josh josh gad voices a character but Munch, josh gad voices muncher but 
and he's just doing like the grunts and squeaks like this this is not a real movie it's and, like alan tudyk only doing he does the voice of the chicken in moana but like the chicken doesn't talk it just like makes just chicken noises. makes chicken noises yeah but the thing is alan tudyk is really good at that kind True. of role and and alan tudyk is the 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 john ratzenberger of, of disney as animation so they had to they yeah. had to get him in that movie and they were smart enough not to be like alan tudyk voice a native hawaiian character it's like no let's yeah be a chicken. <laughs> they, they made a they made a judgment call and I'll, I'll allow it yeah it's a good one yeah, yeah. um but yes i i nick, don't know anything sorry go ahead nick bringing back on topic oh sorry um i'm assuming if we put hopkins in a supporting actor costner gets nominated for lead actor at that point it is weird that he's not nominated it is a I little know, especially weird because it's it's such a big prolific movie and he's really the center of the movie because and this nothing is nothing else is the center of the movie this is pre-waterworld like this the is world this? Was a, he oh, just ended dances with yeah wolves. maybe yeah. that's yeah. why maybe they year. were like we just handed you multiple oscars so yeah um i guess five six seven, but yeah eight nominations and the only and one acting, one acting nomination. nomination with a cast of and 85 for the, one of the worst actors. actors in the movie. That's such a, no, weird, that's such a yeah. weird take you have. That's a that's a, that's an absurd. I'm take. I'm, I'm, I'm being. I, I I thought Tommy Lee Jones was just like he was good, but I'd have I'd have nominated Oldman, I'd have nominated Pesci, I'd have nominated. Oh no, I would do uh, and and I'm a I'm a big Pesci guy. I would do Tommy Lee Jones over Sutherland. Pesci. Yeah, Sutherland. I I, I would. He's who I would. A real one scene a real, makes the... Yeah, a real one scene, but I think that scene is like 30 minutes long. <laughs> like, it is, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, an important one. He lays, lays it all out for you guys. He's hitting us with the truth. You got to reward that. <laughs> the second half of this movie really is just, here's one guy who talks for like 20 oh minutes God. and tells you what's going on. And then No, the it ne- is. And then the next scene is, here's Kevin Costner. He's going to talk for like 40 that, minutes. That's what's so, that's, that's the entire reason this movie is like, three hours long instead of two hours uh-huh. long is because it's like yeah. you basically get to you know you have the plot of the movie and then you have like two 30 minute long monologues in the second half of the movie that just like extended out but you know what the, I, they're both fucking great oh no exactly yeah it's it's i didn't like kevin costner's monologue i love well it. I, I i just i just it went it went on way too long I, I love it. It's so convoluted. It's almost it, like impressionistic no, because the, you're just saying things that, that you what are you talking no, about? No, so my entire note on that scene was um, I, I think it's a phenomenal scene. I think it's it's well written. It's well acted. It is not a very effective closing argument in his prosecution no. of this particular individual. Like literally, well, by, the, another... by the time he stopped talking, I was like, Wait, what is he talking about? Like what? in Oliver Stone's defense, uh, he did lose. He did lose. No, I. Uh... <laughs> I know. My this was another moment. My dad like walked in and saw me watching the movie, and he literally said, "Of like, but like he was like, you know, he's like at this point just like making the case against his point. Like he's he's, basically... he's losing his own case by just running his and, mouth like and this they, on a bunch of nonsense." And they cut to the the juror coming out of the you know afterwards which I guess is what actually happened where the juror was like, "Oh yeah, no, we all believe there's a conspiracy. We just don't think he proved that that guy was involved with it." It's yeah. like, yeah, which, that's kind yeah. of the the problem with his big speech being like, mm-hmm. "Look at how grand this conspiracy is." Sure. He said, "I don't and think from, he said a from, word about Clay Davis in that." Yeah. Fight. From a, like, there's a conspiracy. Not, there's a problem. Not Clay, Clay Davis. Davis. <laughs> Clay 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 Shaw, she, Clay Burton? She she oh, yeah. played from the wire. Yeah. Um, in, in that juror's defense, though, like from a 
like criminal justice point no, that, of view. That's I, that's that's right. Exactly. Like, no, I, I think his that job was, the... was not to his job was not to prove that there's a conspiracy. It's right. to prove that Clay Shaw did the conspiracy. I feel like there's a point in that like uh, whole uh, what is it trial where like Clay was just sitting there like, wait, what am I doing here? Am I supposed to be here? I mean, pretty much. He does. Literally, he kind of like looks around like, is this still about me? What's happening? Am I on trial? <laughs> Uh, which by the end, kind of not. Like by the end, he's he's giving his. Is it in that? Is it when he's wrapping up there? When he's, oh god, when does he have his line about the Declaration of Independence and we need to form a new government? And it's like I can't remember if it was there or one of his like stairway speeches, but I think it was. There. Yeah, I think it's there. Right, and so it's like by by the time you're saying that, if I'm the jury, I'm like, what? You want me to convict <laughs> this guy, or do you want me to overthrow the government? Because I'm not really sure what you're trying to convince me to do here. Um, this is definitely honestly, a movie that um, I'm glad it hasn't been appropriated by certain right-wing factions the way, like... It really the, could be. The, the Matrix. I was watching this, like, so close. Yeah, it's, if this movie came out a few years later, like, even just late 90s, there are so many people who would be like, see, listen to what, what Garrison said. There is a conspiracy oh about the, the COVID vaccine or something. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. God fucking knows. But yeah, yeah this is... You know, it is, it is it's a really weird time to watch it now, living in our mm-hmm. weird, cons- you know, conspiracy-driven, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, one of my friends yesterday was telling me she was talking to someone who was going in on, like, the 5G uh, conspiracy theory stuff, and it's just sure. like, oh, my God, um, what a, what a time to be watching this, and I, so, uh, when I told Matt we were going to be talking about this, uh, movie for the podcast the first thing he said to me was he's like oh he's like my dad hates that movie and i was like oh your dad hates that movie and he was like well yeah he's like at least he says he does he's like i actually don't know if he hates it or not but apparently like when this came out okay so if we were like six or seven then matt's brother would have been like 16 or 17 and i think his dad was like like really wanting to lean in being like okay you can watch the movie but don't but. <laughs> like please like he really was like terrified that it, like it was gonna like warp minds into conspiracy theory which like it could and so it wasn't so much that like necessarily think it's a bad movie but it's just like was like really hammering home to Matt's brother being like do not believe anything he's saying like it's all made up it's all nonsense it, like yeah yeah um there, there's questions to be asked but like a lot of the movie it's like everything that they're saying is like that yeah but that's been like actually proven to like, and it's just a, oh my god especially like what it really reminded me of especially in the laurie metcalf scenes like oh my god laurie metcalf everything laurie metcalf brought up was like the easiest thing to just right and she reminded me so much of the like the those like left or those like liberal grifters from like 2017 who were all like oh, the, yeah. the marshal of the supreme court is gonna fly an eagle to take trump it, you know so uh, like uh, you know what i'm talking about i'm trying to think of the exact quote from louise mensch that was like i'm hearing that uh steve bannon <laughs> might get the death penalty <laughs> for for treason i'm pro-life and i take no pleasure in reporting this Just the worst. that came that came up again somebody retweeted it for well, because Steve god Bannon, knows what reason because oh Steve yeah because because he got indicted indicted but he's facing like 30 days of jail time or something that's that's the funniest like ha- <laughs> hall of fame like top 10 funniest tweets oh yeah i've ever seen <laughs> and just edited and I think Laurie Metcalf's performance was amazing this week, but that's just like really what it oh, reminded me of of people who I'm just like, mm-hmm. you're just saying things like yeah, or that, the game theory guy. Exactly. Yes, you know, like the game theory guy. Name, yeah. It really reminds time for some game theory. Is that Rooker? Is that Rooker in the movie? 
Uh, or is that the other guy that looks like Ripper? Who's the no, other? No, no, no. The uh, the game theory guy was another like uh, liberal grifter post. Oh, okay. Twenty sixteen election. Yeah. Who um, like? And if you go, if you go back and look at that thread, I don't know if it's still around, but um, let me find it. If if you look at the quote retweets, it was retweeted by just so many famous people. Yeah. And saying, it, look at this, and you read it, and you're like. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And it and it reads like conspiracy theory nonsense stuff about yeah. like here's what's really going on with the government, what they don't want you to know. Let's break okay. it down. The the first replies to it, um, David Farron told, damn man, this is great writing using a form that doesn't really lend itself to greatness. First reply to that is Brian Stelter, plus one. Oh my god. Like, like these journalists, are, like real journalists. Didn't, didn't David Farrenthold like, win, I can't win a Pulitzer? Describe the the look on Jana's face when she heard those names. She looked like she had died. <laughs> no, just like no, David Farrenthold I think did win a Pulitzer for like cuz he was the one who was doing real the the Trump digging research. into finances. Yeah. yeah. Trump Foundation or whatever organization. Um but yes, all, all of that to say that she is the and so the, she's the Eric Garland of She yes, thank you. She's the Eric Garland Ooh. of the uh of the uh, Garrison crew um and it's like because i really like that scene with rooker like when he leaves like when everything starts to Mm -hmm. break down and it is kind of funny how both like rooker and the other guy um he's he's one of the few people in the movie i was like yeah who like don't know you right um yeah he's i looked him up and he's been in a bunch of stuff over the years but yeah he's not as he looked familiar but like i couldn't um but it's just like when michael rooker dares to be like you know this might be a little overblown. Like, and again, and he's not even saying that like, it's not a conspiracy. He wants to look into the mob angle of the conspiracy. (laughs) And it's just like, Oh, if you don't think the vice president had the president killed, then get out of here. It's like, he's he's like the only reasonable person. Like he's like, yeah, it's weird. America's had a lot of things that we need to question in the past. Right. But what are we doing here? Right. Michael Rooker, (laughs) reasonable guy. (laughs) Which is crazy. Well, because yeah, and because then, and you see how it sort of poisons them, and it's it's always unclear to me how much of this is. You never know with Oliver Stone, um, in general, and like in this movie in particular, where you're like, is he, whose side is he on? What does he want us to think or believe? Um, because yeah, then you have that Lou guy who gets super paranoid and is like, I saw him leaving here late. I saw him copying things, you know, he's doing this or that. And you do have Costner, you do have Garrison actually say like, cut it out. Like, we're not going to turn on each other. He's allowed to say what he wants to say. Um, but it is kind of like, it's like, you created this situation. <laughs> like, why, why do you think this is happening? Because of your zealotry, like, ugh, God, but that seems really good um and i do i just think of the look on laurie metcalf's face with her amazing hair and her entire amazing performance is so good she's so good yeah i will say bringing it back to like the ebert review though i think he makes a good point of like the emotion Mm -hmm. of this idea of questioning america Mm -hmm. and you know what what might actually be right Mm -hmm. the theme good but as he he brings up a really good point where he met walter cronkite and walter cronkite was like ebert my man that movie yeah. is trash yeah. like it's and not fake, even just yeah. as a movie yeah and it's it's a good point yeah um, but ebert's but ebert's point also is that like okay Walter, they both make really yeah, good points yeah, about well, what this movie should be right yeah well him being like i'm a film critic i've it doesn't whether or not anything in the movie is accurate is beside the point from ebert's perspective at least yeah 
And I, I which is why e- the birth of a nation is in Ebert's book too. That's true. That he does. Uh, he does. Uh, not comparing JFK's problem <laughs> to birth of a that's that's wildly different. <laughs> I'm just saying, like that's why birth of a nation ends up in book two. Same idea. Yeah. Yeah, are no, you trying? What are you trying to say, Dylan? Let's <laughs> let's really break this down. Yeah, uh, but no, I mean, I totally agree with this point that like the movie, the point of the movie is not to portray like what Walter Cronkite was saying. It's not a fucking documentary, right? It's it's sort of like to the movie's credit that it is done so much to resemble the truth, and it has so many like documentary style mm-hmm. um, techniques that. A news person watching it is like, ah, oh, this this seems too real. Only it's bullshit, and it's like, all right, clear, clear, just Walter Cronkite, cranky old man, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, you know, there's it's interesting. You know, in the Wikipedia page, they talk about the um, the reaction, the controversy around the movie when it came out, including like film critics who their editors didn't want them to write positive reviews of the movie because they were so against it. Like it was that sort of much of a hot button yeah. issue where it's like we can't publish a positive review of this movie because it's so you know dangerous or whatever the concern was well the scary thing i think is i i think stone is making a movie where he thinks he's going to open america's eyes to the the thing and i think that comes back to like he put in so much money he only wanted one production company so he could like control what the script said sure. Well, I think and I he think knew. it works well in in the movie sense, but I I think he's also doing this because he's like I get to show the the truth of this. Well, and so yeah, I get the sense that he read you know Jim Garrison's book and was Garrison's like this guy gets like, it. Cool. And so what's interesting <laughs> before I watched the movie, I and I knew it was very controversial. I thought it was a much more or what I was expecting was a much more straightforward sort of like look into the JFK thing. That takes sort of, I think, what we would consider the more reasonable approach of being like, hey, there's some questions. Like, you know, I don't, can we accept this? That's, like, that's what I thought it was going to be. I don't know why I didn't expect this. No, the movie's like, like, there's some answers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, really thought it was, I really thought it was going to be the, maybe we shouldn't take the government's word for it. Maybe we should ask some questions. And he's like, no, here's what happened. <laughs> LBJ had, had JFK killed. Let's just break it down. <laughs> the military was mobilized. What's What's he doing on this plane when the president's God. here and is declared dead so oh, many minutes later? Oh but the, it's like, the, I don't know. No one knew what the fuck they were doing. The, the like various things that are like, and then 90 seconds later, this happened. And then within two minutes, this happened. And I'm just like, oh, I can't, I literally cannot keep up with the story you're trying to tell me. Um, oh, and the other thing. I, but then going back to Ebert's part, even though I can't keep up with it and it makes no oh, sense. It's incredibly it's watchable. so watchable. Um, and the other thing I was going to say in terms of if I had any reason to you know doubt oliver stone or think hey well maybe he's just maybe he's portraying this skeptically and we're not sure if we should trust garrison like garrison was very involved in this movie like has a cameo in the movie so i'm like oh no and i think it's all being laid out there for the truth of it not just to be like isn't this crazy um Mm -hmm. so that's where i am a little bit like It works well as a story of America. It doesn't work well as a story of the JFK assassination. Yeah, and I think Ebert's right, you know, in, in his particular, um, you know, when he says it's not a film about the facts, it's a film about the feelings. Exactly. And, like, you know, people grasping at, you know, people grasp at conspiracy theories because they can't explain what's happening in the world and they want exactly. there to be an explanation. It's why we have so many conspiracy theories around the pandemic and everything else. Um, but it, it seems like a very good representation 
of that feeling of that inclination to, you know, search for answers or meaning when bad things happen. Um, but then, yeah, also seems to just think all of this happened. So, The one thing, though, that does the movie, like, in the last uh, speech-fying that, that Garrison does, he's saying that there's a conspiracy, obviously. Mm-hmm. But do, is he actually pointing fingers at, like, who pulls the trigger? Do they, Like, do they even show... Like, it's no. always faceless. Shaw or or whoever. Faceless. Yeah. He thinks there's a third shooter, shooter too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. th- he never brings it up. I think that's more interesting because what he's saying, sure. Like he, both Stone, I guess, and Garrison, from I guess from like a, a prosecute, uh, like a prosecution point of view, <laughs> it's not really getting his point across that like. Oh yeah, he was involved in this conspiracy. Also, I don't even know who pulled any of the triggers, and I have no proof for it. But it is like showing, um, yeah, like there's there's more questions to be answered than he he's sure that he doesn't even have trying. all the answers. Yeah, yeah, the, like he's offering um, like holes in the story that the Warren Commission put out, but he doesn't have enough answers to come up with anything concrete so i mean i don't know it's kind of a weird thing to uh even take it to court if uh (laughs) again like given that don't you know you're gonna lose well because also apparently their entire case was just based around the him being clay bertrand and and Mm -hmm. you know having those little pieces of information which that, that whole sequence uh legal corner i guess um in terms of like that not that being ruled inadmissible yeah like, would that be well so it's because he didn't have his attorney present and it's like well mm-hmm. you don't have to have your attorney present i guess the question you just should have, been, have your was attorney he, present was he mirandaized although this might be pre-miranda i went to law school i can't remember what year miranda happened it was some it's like in the 60s ish um i am looking it up because i should know that the weird thing is this movie, I didn't fully grasp this okay. at the time, but this movie is like 10 years long. Yes. Almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Time really, well, there's the opening scene and then it immediately goes three years later. Um, okay. Miranda rights were established in 1966. So it would have been just this. Right assassination was before 66, but by the time Clay, or whatever, Clay Tra- Travis? No, that's not right either. What is this? Clay Davis. Clay, no. Shaw. Oh, my God. <laughs> Clay By the time Clay Shaw is getting arrested, they would have Clay, been. Clay Shaw. So it basically would have just been like, was he, you know, was he told he had the right to remain silent and to have an attorney present? If yes, then he I think it would be because he gets arrested yeah, after, booked. like, he gets arrested after um, MLK and RFK, which are 68 and 69, respectively, I think. So this is probably end of right. 69. Yeah, time, time just moves right along. Which also, do his kids age? No. Okay. He has he has he has Hugh Jackman's magical children from um yeah. from Greatest Showman who ten years go by and they're their little vampire kids who just basically stay the same age the entire like that boy should have been a teen by the time he's at the courtroom in the end. Like but his son yeah. is like perpetually ten years old. Um Maybe well, it's, maybe it's like the youngest by his one. daddy that everything's gonna God. be okay, but yeah. America is falling apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, it was very unclear to me why. Also, the judge then says, like, also, I wouldn't believe anything that detective said anyway. I'm like, 
Okay. What? Why? Like, yeah, that was, I'm sure that's based on something that actually happened in the case, but the way they showed it, I was very confused as to why uh, that was going down. Did you guys see the two movies that were sort of like the inspiration in the making of this movie? No. The Zapruder film and... <laughs> oh, oh no, I did see. I did see. Uh, Rashomon, right, was one? Yeah. And Z? Rashomon and Z. Yeah. Z, I get Rashomon. I don't really. Does it mean thematically or? Because that's the uh, thing. Like this movie is not really. What is the truth? Sure, but I guess this movie does not. He can't. And there's a couple quotes there on the Wikipedia page that say that like, oh yeah, it's like a Rashomon approach to what happened at Daily Plaza. And it's like, no, you weren't. (laughs) Like it would. It would. (laughs) No one's really like contradicting each other in their stories. It's just all like there's a conspiracy. Right. Yeah. It would be kind of cool to see a bunch of different versions of a. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. we yes. kind of do. Like, for example, in the this, towards the end when he's talking about um, Lee Harvey Oswald and could he have been in the break room and, and all of that. You know, we kind of yeah. see the one version where he's hanging out. Then we see the alternative version where he, you know, that does that. Stuff. And then that he comes so running good. down the stairs yeah. and, and all that. Yeah, I guess that is Rashomon. Uh, you know, in a in a sort of that that part is great. way. Um, and like Gary Oldman's there and it's like he's acting all calm but then they redo it and he's like yeah. out of breath and trying to pretend look like calm, he's calm. It's, it's great. Yeah, he's yeah, he's really good in that part. Uh, but that's the only thing that kind of jumped out to me. He's like, oh, "Okay, I guess you can see you're you're presenting." But again, it's it's not about the sort of fallible nature of I wish it was more about sort of the fallible nature of memory and things like that. Because yeah. you know, he really leans heavily on all the eyewitness accounts of people saying that they saw a shooter over the fence, they saw the smoke, and the railroad workers saw this and the lady saw this and with the camera that. And unfortunately, one thing um that we know is that I even eyewitness testimony is like pretty unreliable like yeah Yeah. people especially in in traumatic or uh chaotic events it's very easy for people you don't understand yeah they don't know you you don't know what you saw or what you know and so people can be convinced that oh yeah i saw that happen and it's like "Mm, did you or you just think Mm. you did but um and so but he's it is it seems to again pretty much take all those people at their word that like yes they saw the shooter over the fence and all that stuff well see janet you're worrying about here with the movie. You're worrying about the who and what. And what you really should be worried about is the why. That's true. You're right. You're right. He got me. <laughs> yeah. Great who, who benefits? He said not to ask who. Well, just this once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That whole, everything Donald Sutherland, like when he's like laying he's out incredible. is so good. He's magnetic. He's, oh, my God. I, I think that the entire movie would collapse if if that scene didn't work and if his performance yeah. did really not would. care. Cause he basically literally the movie just stops. He, the movie just stops in yep. his tracks for and him. It's, to it's show like up at the exact halfway point. Tell you. Yeah. It's like basically to give you a history of like military <laughs> intelligence and government. <laughs> it's just like, it also gives the entire history of the Jack lemon Astor thing that takes up literally 50% of the opening 20 minutes. Never brought up again. Right. It's to the point where when they referenced his character later, I had to, I couldn't remember who. Yeah. Like, yeah. like towards the very end, I mean, they're like, and, and guess who, you know, was there? And it's, God, I can't remember what his name is. Guy, something. Guy, it was Guy Bannister. And I'm like, 
who? I'm like, oh, Ed Asner, right. Yeah, um, from that scene in the opening when I thought Ed Asner was or was uh, beating Jack Lemmon to death. Um, yeah, I thought he was... I thought he was dead. Cause, well, I thought he was dead. Because I thought, well, I thought he had to be because I thought he was killing him. You, you've seen too much. The right. Um, like, yeah, I thought he was killing him because like, you've seen too much. I can't let you out of here. But no, I guess he just uh, intimidated him into going and, and living a quiet life and, and not talking. Until he talked. Until he... Basically a minute into talking with Costner. Costner seems to have that uh, effect on people in this movie. <laughs> like, he really... Mm. I mean, that's Costner's yeah, thing in movies. True. Very untouchable's performance, which... Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, I did want to mention, did you guys see who is considered for the role of Mr. X besides Donald Sutherland? Mm. No. Marlon Brando. That would have been something. That either would have been the best one-scene performance in a movie history. Or, or total nightmare. it would have made this movie... Like unwatchable, like well, because by the nineties, I mean, by the nineties, uh, yeah, Marlon Brando was was already, uh, I think, pretty. This is right around his uh, Island of Doctor Moreau. Say, we're not that many years yes. away from that, or um, the score is. Is it the score? Yeah, the one? much yeah, close, much exponentially closer to Doctor Moreau than to uh, Apocalypse well, Now, which is a movie where. Even then, Apocalypse yeah. Now, they had to work right. around his craziness. Like, yeah. and that was, 20, you know, how many years? Yeah, 15 years, years before yeah. this. So, yeah, that would have been something. Um, oh, sorry, going back to Oscars, Dylan, you were saying that there was someone they gave a special award to or presented at the Oscars you were going to tell me about? Oh, Audrey Hepburn gave the honorary Oscar to Sada G. Ryan. Oh, wow. That's cool. Which is, that's one of the most me moments, I think. That is amazing. Those two. I did not realize this was the year he got his honorary award. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway, I did want to say, um, as far as uh, casting goes, did you guys see who uh, was supposed to play David Ferry? No. Yep. James Woods. All right. Well, I prefer Pesci to James Woods. Do you know why it wasn't James Woods? Uh, he was at a KKK rally. Because he was unhappy with the fairy part and he wanted to play the hero garrison. <laughs> Imagine if this movie starred James Woods. Oh, this would definitely be full-blown oh, like, that's loony so true. conspiracy theorist. Oh, if, uh... um, oh, also, uh, William Defoe and John Malkovich were approached before Pesci. It looks like, based on what I'm seeing here, I, did Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci won the Oscar the previous year, right? He won the previous yeah. year for Goodfellas, so that also that also would explain why he didn't get any you know attention for for this. He's so much fun in JFK. He is. John, right. I'm surprised, shocked, actually, that John Malkovich is not in this movie somewhere. <laughs> it's kind of true. He would fit it so true. well. How is he not? How is he not in this movie? Yeah, he would be the Rooker character. Oh yeah, that would be good. He, could, although um, he also would have been really good in the Tommy Lee Jones part, I think. That's kind of true. He would, I don't know if he'd be old enough. True. He was, so, well, uh, yeah. He, I he, think he's he maybe was, five or ten years younger was, than Tommy he Lee. He was 40 at the time when this movie And even out. then, Tommy Lee, I think, is kind of young for the Bertrand part, if I was looking up the history of it. Probably. Um, which is why his bleached white spaghetti curl hair wig looks so weird on him. Yeah. But We haven't talked about yeah. a kevin bacon at all in this movie um it comes out of nowhere yeah, real... also is second build in wikipedia and third build in letterbox is it alphabetical oh good question 
Okay, that's maybe true. This no. would be one of those movies. No. Nope. Nope. Oh, what? That's no. W- no. 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 Kind of, not really. Not really. No, because by the time you get to Ed Asner, you know, you're pretty far down. And John Candy are Mm -hmm. pretty far down the list, and they'd be up top. So, yeah, I don't know. And they have much more screen time than Kevin Bacon. I guess just, yeah, there's no rhyme or reason to the order the cast is listed in. um, (laughs) Who's the most famous? On Wikipedia. Yeah, I was going to say who's the most famous, but then you have, like, Donald Sutherland and, like, Jack Lemmon further down the list. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's the most pop cultural zeitgeist? Yeah, maybe. Because then it's Kevin Bacon. John Candy, maybe? There are people listed in this movie that I don't remember seeing. <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, yes, you mean? Yes, that, that is exactly what I mean. Where, where John Larroquette is John, in this? Those, I don't those, remember those seeing two. him. Those were the two that I, I don't remember seeing John Larroquette or Vincent D'Onofrio. Who's John Larroquette? He, uh, I mean, well, he played a guy named Jerry Johnson. Um, he's... Well, no, who's the actor? Um, He's the guy who Leslie Nope's mom had an affair with when she was a kid. Oh. Okay. Thank you for coming up with a cultural reference that Dylan would possibly understand because everything I was going to say, he was he was on a sitcom called Night Court. He was on a show called Night Court. Yeah, in the 80s and 90s. Oh, okay. I know about Night Court. You know they're bringing back Night Court? Which... The, that cast is dying off rapidly. Yeah, Why what? are they bringing it back? Like, literally half the cast has died in the past five years. Like, and, yeah. and it's kind of a bummer because we're not talking about people in their 80s. Like, it's it's turned into a bit of a cursed situation. So they're bringing it back with John Larroquette, who's going to have, like, a younger attorney, like, working for him mm-hmm. or something, right? Because yeah. Harry Anderson died. Yeah. Three, oh, it's been three years, I guess. Harry Anderson died, um, and then, and then two, at least uh, two uh, died. The woman uh, died, too. Uh, it's a conspiracy. Uh, Marky Post. Yeah, Marky Post died. Just died like a couple months ago. And, um, gosh, who else died? Um, I think Charles Robinson, who played the clerk Mac, I believe. Yeah, he died also. So, um, sorry, this wild tangent. But this, I thought about it the other day because I was watching 30 Rock and the one with the cast of Night Court um, was on. And I'm like, this is just making me sad. I don't want to watch this right now. All these people have died. They were just on 30 Rock like a few years ago. It's a great episode. It is a good episode, though. Uh, Doesn't that episode actually predict uh, that they're going to bring it back? Night Court being rebooted. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, because that's what that's what um, what's his name wants to do. That's that's why they're getting back together is because uh, yeah, thirty Kenneth thirty Rock is so, sort of Simpsony in terms of like the goofball things that it predicted yeah. becoming true. Anything that does like showbiz satire like that unfortunately um mm-hmm. often ends up being more accurate than anybody expected um anyway i still anyway, have no Vincent idea who... i i know where d'onofrio was because where was it he? happened i opened the wikipedia i was like oh d'onofrio's in this movie and immediately he was on screen. oh okay in which part was so that? at the very beginning they're interviewing people on the street and some guy's holding a child that was him. And he says, "I saw some." That's that's Vincent D'Onofrio. Okay, was he the one who says, "I saw his ear go flying off" or something like that? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Because oh. I remember thinking that the guy was saying that was holding a kid, being like, "Don't say that in front of your child." That's upsetting. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's saying a bunch like, of horribly graphic and conspiracy yeah. theory yeah. things, and he's like, "Child, right okay. here." Okay, that. Yeah, that that's D'Onofrio. And so I saw oh, that Vincent D'Onofrio. I looked up. I guess I can picture. I that looked now. up Vincent D'Onofrio JFK, and I saw that picture. I was like, "Oh, he's right there." Okay, good. So he must be coming back in the movie if it's Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah. was he like not? Twenty seconds of screen. Was he time. not famous yet? He, no, he had to have been because because this is post. Uh, oh, this uh, is post Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, Full oh, Metal Jacket. Right. Yeah. 
like one of the most iconic. I, I realized that time. because the first thing I saw him in was uh, Men in Black. Men in Black. Men in, black. Not in, in, in an incredible performance. Truly that I one still, of the best. He makes the movie that like, I, I reference all the time. True, yeah, the, the line of him saying, "Water." Yeah. Um, I, I also just googled him JFK and yeah he's he's the guy I, his brow is he looks like a freaking vampire in uh, like when he's frowning in that scene he's got like the, the buffy vampire yeah. pronounced eyebrow <laughs> situation um, okay well now I'm going to google John Larroquette JFK and find out where he was okay let's find out there's a good he's, chance he'll look he sort like... of looks more like Clay Shaw than uh, yeah Lee he Jones. would actually oh. make a good Clay Shaw I think he's only in the director's cut. Oh, mm. all right. So we did not see him. Um, okay, because when I speaking of director's cut, this movie's theatrical version feels like a director's cut. I know. Yeah, it's a long movie. <laughs> no, not just because it feels long, but it feels like there's a lot of stuff added. That's like, here's a bunch of style mm-hmm. that's not going to add. It feels anything very to the indulgent. Movie. Yeah. And I enjoy it, but it doesn't feel like a theatrical movie at that. Point. This this movie, by the way, was released on my seventh birthday. Um, is hmm. when it came out. Yeah. I did not. Uh, it was. It was not my birthday movie that year, though. This is not what I went to see. With my parents. <laughs> I can't remember what it would have been. We always went to a movie. Silence of the Lambs. It must have been Silence. Oh no doubt. <laughs> but um, yeah, December twentieth, nineteen ninety one. Uh, this is a yeah real Christmas holiday movie, I guess. Um, I mean, I'm sure it was just released that because that's Oscar time of year. But um, I did think when they were showing at the end a lot of the, like, the Zap Reader stuff and the actual recreation, which, oh my God, he, he really did not need to zoom in and just keep replaying sure, the, the actual Zap Reader thing of his head exploding. Like, same thing with, oh my God, we haven't even talked about the, the I almost said coronation, the cor- coroner scene, the autopsy scene. Like, I also did not need to watch any of that. Um, and that, that they're, putting a, they're putting a whole half of a brain on a scale. And he's sticking his finger into, like, the yep. bullet wounds and then... Oh my god! Makes that kind of noise. It really does. Uh, it really does. Thanks, Nick. Um, but <laughs> when I'm seeing those clips, especially like the clip of the um, of the Secret Service agent who jumps on the back of the car, you know, during the the assassination, Jackie. That's all I associate it with is Jackie. That's it. That's I, that's yeah. what I realized. I was like, oh wait, I now associate this with Jackie more than like the actual event. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I've I've seen. That. Oh right, yes, <laughs> in a a movie uh, a little bit more near and dear to my movie. heart about uh. The JFK assassination, but but yeah, talking about the, the the back and to the right, it's like he does it, and I'm not even. I don't think I'm underestimating ten times, maybe. It just keeps. It could be like ten times, and it's like at the third one, it's like yeah, I get it. And I it just, just saw keeps going. Yeah, yeah, and it just keeps. Definitely one of those things that you see it parodied, and so like you don't realize how extreme the real thing is because I'm just like, oh no, this is like it like opens up. Uh, it's, it's pretty gross. Horrifying. Yeah, it's fun when Kramer does it with Keith Hernandez's spit. Yes, yeah, I, I'd prefer to to look at that and and less close ups of his head exploding into half. Um, not not my favorite, uh, but effective. And I I did not know that it really was basically Garrison apparently who was responsible for the Zapruder film ending oh, up yeah. being released to, to the public. Because like what, yeah, I think our whole lives we've always been like yes, that's the definitive document yeah. people didn't see it for 10 years like that's kind of crazy yeah. so um i i feel like we're gonna be wrapping up on the movie in a second there's some things i need to yes. bring up before yeah, we, yeah. we do so um the lying pesci screams 
It's a mystery wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. Yes. Line of the movie. Yeah, which I, so I did the thing where I'm like, oh, so that's where that quote is from. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, no, it's a real quote that Winston Churchill said. But uh, it was uh, popularized. Oh, I, didn't, by, I didn't know that. Which I didn't know. No, because I was like, oh, this is where that quote comes from. And it's like, well, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> it's often referenced, when people reference it, they're usually referencing JFK. But it, that's not something that Oliver Stone came up with. Apparently that's a real thing. Damn, that's such I would a be good more likely line for that movie. I know. I would be more likely to use that uh, inappropriate when referring to Batman Forever. <laughs> sure. Which my brother texted me yesterday saying that he was watching Batman Forever. This is a weird thing. So my brother and uh, sister-in-law and I, th- I think a couple of their friends did um, Gilmore Girls trivia. Oh, fun. Ooh, they, fun. There were, 40 te- there were 40 teams. Okay. They came in second uh, and would have won except there was like it was like a spelling-based thing and they oh. s- spelled something wrong. For second, That's stupid. For second place, they won a $15 gift card to the bar that it was at. First place, apparently, a trip to Venice. What? <laughs> I would be so mad. <laughs> We're Sorry, like, is I there a... my audio laughing. But is, there, is there a Venice, Ohio that uh, trip to we don't know Venice? about? Because, yeah, when, when I used to do, uh, before I became too old and uncool to go do things on weeknights, I used to do weekly bar trivia on, like, Wednesday mm-hmm. nights at a bar in our neighborhood. And, like... First place was like, like a fifty dollar. That's you know, what uh, the bar, the trivia whatever, to do. Which it'd be 50, 30, 20. Exactly. Which basically the idea being like, there's a group of you there that'll probably pay your tab for the night, right? Basically, right. like you you drank free that night. Um, but I can't imagine first place being a trip to Venice. A trip to Venice. <laughs> second place is fifteen dollars. That's just rude. Yeah. So he <laughs> so he texted us after that saying uh, to to console himself for getting second place. He was watching Batman Forever. Like it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones, great performance. He's very funny in that movie. Excellent. He's really funny in that movie. And it's even funnier to to hear about like how miserable how he much was he hated making it, it because he yeah. hated Jim Carrey so much. He yeah. what is what is his quote? He would not. I mean, I feel like that comes across or something. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't remember. He hated Jim you know Carrey. what though? He was probably right. This oh, is Jim Carrey yes. in 1994, 95 I when they filmed could it. Could like, not have. Yeah. The amount of ego Carrie must have had that yeah, year that was his, would have been his, unbearable. Um, to to but, recent Oscar winner Tommy Lee Jones, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but Nicole Kidman in that movie, like one of the top tier like horny characters in movies. So, yeah, God, that was, I will say so I feel like you can feel that Tommy Lee Jones doesn't like Jim Carrey in that movie because like Two Face is always just kind of exasperated at what the hell, yeah. whatever the hell the Riddler's doing. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was that was my favorite Batman growing up. Same. Like yeah, I mean, again, because, because you were ten I when was you saw it. Literally ten years yeah, old exactly. when it came like, out. So I watched it at fifteen yeah. after the yeah. Dark Knight. It wasn't really oh one that hit. Oh my me. god, I, I can't imagine watching movie. that after the Dark Knight. Like, I, like yeah, that seems strange. Yeah, I kn- I learned about Two Face from the Dark Knight and then watched that. This was one of the very the, the soundtrack. <laughs> Nick Nick's head snapped back back <laughs> and to the right. That's just wild. Back like that's and to the right. It's a. It's a strange like uh, course of events to take to get to <laughs> to get to Tommy Lee Jones' Two Face oh, and fucking god. Drew Barrymore and Feruza Balk is like his his henchwoman. Oh my god! Oh. It's weird. Good movie. Should have drafted it. Oh lord! Anyway, the sorry. Now I'm reading the Hollywood Reporter article <laughs> where Jim, about Tommy Lee Jones. Well, where Jim Carrey said, "Oh he, yeah, he." He resented me because I was the star. He's a phenomenal actor, though. I still love him. Like, okay. He kind of steals the movie. Like, it, it's really like a Riddler movie. Oh, 
the, yeah. the, the line was, I cannot sanction your buffoonery, is what <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones said, which is... Okay, new, new podcast headline I on cannot, Twitter page. I cannot sanction your buffoonery. It's just one of it's, the best things I've ever... I love it so much. It's so good. I want to use that all the time. Whenever people piss me off, just be like, dude, I can't sanction your buffoonery. If Tommy Lee Jones said that to me, I would just lay down and die. Like, I just, I right? Like, too. oh my God. What, what is the the um, the Griffin Newman, Ellen Burstyn story where she says something just like she so cold to him? tells him to try silence. <laughs> <laughs> because he was trying to compliment her. They were in, in sitting in makeup chairs together. Uh in the making draft day and he's like telling her a long story and she interrupts him and she says griffin try silence oh, i would die <laughs> yeah how is griffin alive i was griffin gonna would say die. yeah he weathered that storm but oh my god yeah just just again imagine ellen burston saying that to you and like white hair like eight, 75 80 year old ellen burston i'm like okay sorry sorry ma'am um just yeah just amazing incredible stuff. okay Second thing I needed to bring up before we finish with JFK. Yes. Um, so they were showing Jack Ruby. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this guy looks familiar. But it wasn't like every other actor. Oh. I was like, oh, I know him. It was like, he looks familiar. Did you guys figure out who he was? Yeah, it's Brian, oh, yeah. Brian Doyle Murray. Yeah. I mean, it's the guy for Groundhog Day. That's what I think of. It's it's uh... it's uh, Bill Murray's brother, he... right? Are they related or is it just the same last name? No, they look really similar, though. All right, it's well, his dad, isn't it? It's not his dad. Is this true? Hold on. I, I may be It's telling. his brother. Okay. I had no it's idea that was Bill Murray's brother. Isn't his dad someone, too? Oh, yeah, it is his brother. Okay. Yeah, and then his other brother is Joel Murray. Um, oh, right. I always forget about Joel Murray. Things. Yeah, I do, too, because he's younger. Is Joel Murray. He's on Mad Men. Um, you would know him if you saw him. I think you'd recognize him. He's, he's... Oh, yeah, he looks familiar. What do I know him from? He's much younger. Isn't he's much he? younger, yeah. Yeah, he is. I don't. I don't think. Maybe I haven't seen him in anything, but he's just one of those people that like. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, he pops up face. in a lot of stuff. You know, a lot. Oh, of... he was in Dharma and Greg. Sure. Remember okay. that? So Brian Doyle Murray. No, I literally don't know what this is. Dharma and Greg. No, that's another sitcom, it's a sitcom from... from the nineties. Oh, it's a Chuck Lorre joke. Yes, indeed. Uh, 120 episodes. Yes, that's why yeah. we seemed surprised that you didn't know what it was. It was it was like a huge cultural deal to Dharma. Like she's the kid of hippies, hence why her name is Dharma. And then she falls in love with this rich guy. So it's like a it's a uh, culture clash of like. I don't even. I, 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 I can't even remember who played Greg. I know Dharma. Was oh, Jenna the guy Osman. who played Greg. I'm blinking on his name, but um, when is it Thomas Gibson? It's Thomas Gibson who now he's the second who now has more money than any of us could ever imagine because he was the lead on Criminal Minds for like a uh, decade. So he's got that CBS pursuit. That's that's where he went off to do. He's been sure. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray, I think most importantly is uh, Noah, the arcade owner from Wayne's World. Oh, sure. Yes. Oh, interesting. I think of mainly as Groundhog Day and Scrooged. Yeah, which you know, Bill. Bill Although Murray I think I, it there. says he's in Caddyshack and Ghostbusters as well. Mm-hmm. He's in a lot. He's in a lot of stuff. He he pops up. I guess he sounds like he probably has a good relationship with his brother. Seems, I hope seems so. like it. They're. Uh... They work together a lot. Apparently, he's a voice on um, SpongeBob or something too. So. Oh, can you see who it is? I'm just so curious now. The Flying Dutchman? <gasps> He's the Flying Dutchman! 
I, I do not know uh, from SpongeBob, but uh, okay, I, I... See, this is this is what my cultural. I mean, I, I at least I'm familiar with with the Sponge SpongeBob has a uh, you know cultural. Yeah, you know what SpongeBob I is. do, I do, in fact. Uh, okay, one more thing that I would and I should have done it when we were talking last Temptation of Christ. This movie is fifth on Entertainment Weekly's 25 most controversial movies of all time, which we've discussed in a past episode. I was going to say right we was do the right thing was when we ran down that list. Oh my god! But that movie was tw- that that do the right thing was 20. This is five. Okay. It is ahead of Last Temptation of Christ at six. Birth of a Nation at seven. Okay. Natural Born Killers is at eight. Right. Last Tango at Paris at nine. I forgot that they're... And Triumph of the Will at 15. I forgot that their definition of what makes a movie controversial is uh, I know. really all over the place. Like, sure, What's... there's there's the there's controversial topics in JFK, but... Is Passion of the Christ number one on that list? Uh, Passion of the Christ is Okay, one I list. remember that, yeah. Lot... That's just a bad movie, though. Like, yeah. there's nothing to be really be controversial. That's just a bad maybe. movie. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe like behind the scenes, Mel Gibson has some controversy to him. Yeah. Who's to say? Yeah, uh, I do. <laughs> yeah, maybe that movie like, seemed like it was possibly anti-Semitic, and then maybe Mel Gibson said some stuff that uh, <laughs> might have. No, was it? that doesn't. Sound, that doesn't sound like. I know that that would be weird if that happened. Um, just circling back to Brian Doyle Murray, the reason I was like, is it his brother? Because they have different last names. Apparently, there was another actor named. Uh, yes. Brian Murray. There's so a... he hyphenated Doyle to Doyle Murray and took his grandmother's maiden name to differentiate. Sure. Himself. Yes. There is a gotcha. Interesting. Because I, I, Brian Murray is a South African actor. Who? What did I <laughs> see him in? Um, so when you Google him, it, it, he he lost that war. When you Google Brian Murray, you get Brian Doyle Murray. Um, I was watching the League him. of Gentlemen. Man. Not extraordinary gentlemen, just regular gentlemen. Oh, he was in the bread fa- uh a bread factory. Uh, oh god, I never Oh, posthumous really sad. I never saw that. Um I I I have the grasshopper release upstairs. I have not watched it yet. I got I think I got screeners for it that year. Um I think it was a independent spirit nominee of some kind. Hmm. But yeah. um I What what is this movie about? I've never heard of it. A bread factory. It's oh. it's also a two part movie. It's no. incredibly long yes. and like yeah, that's why I haven't watched oh, it yet. Okay. Yeah, um, oh. I think it's about an acting troupe, isn't it? Mate, I don't know. In a bright factory, <laughs> sure. Oh, yes, okay. uh, fictional it... community arts center in a small upstate New York town. Um, sorry, where I saw the other Brian Murray recently is that he plays Jack's dad on Thirty Rock. You know, the Fighting Irish uh-huh. on 30 Rock. The, that's the, yeah. other, the other Brian Murray plays uh-huh. his dad. Uh, with Nathan, Brian Nathan Murray is also in one of the political movies that just has everyone in the cast, which is Bob Roberts. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. Tim Robbins, Esposito, Alan Rickman. Uh, oh, that's right around the same time, Ray too. Wise. Yeah. David Stathairn, James Spader, Helen Hunt, Jack Black, Susan Sarandon. Fred Ward, John Cusack, okay. Bob Balaban, and I'm literally now at the point where I have to show all on Letterboxd. So that's probably it. Yeah, wow. That That's an amazing um, cast. I have not seen that. Um, I Yeah. That's a you movie. Yeah, I was, I was it's a very, I mean, it's, Tim Robbins is an interesting guy. It's one of his writing hit or miss directorial uh, efforts. But, all right, do we have any other uh, JFK thoughts that's, now that's that we've it. gone I down just... that road? Uh, just, I want to clarify that Lee Harvey Oswald was a patsy. 
Important to clarify. I think we all agree. Yeah, he was a he, patsy. He could not, he could not he, have fired he could not that have many. Fired that that many shots in in five point six seconds, six point two seconds, two point six, two point six seconds, whatever. The, too many numbers. Um, in this, oh, the, the numbers oh, don't matter. So, what matters is why. I'm sorry, not to retake us, but Dylan, John Larroquette does the opening voiceover narration in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sorry, I had to drop that knowledge on you. Um, oh, does he? Um, yes, he... Uh... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Talking about opening narration. Oh, yeah, we didn't... Oh, yeah. Martin Sheen yeah, speaking... comes in, seven-minute narration to open the movie. And then we never hear him again. My mom watched the first seven minutes with me and was like... And then it switched to, like, real life, and she was like, this isn't a documentary? Yeah. What, what, what are we watching? Yeah. Um, no, it was funny that opening narration with him and like the music and everything. And like, I had just, I'd watched some West Wing yesterday. And so I was just like, it's all so very like, and this is, this is a couple years before the American president too. So I'm just like, Martin, he has that gravitas apparently that like, if you want someone to school you on American history, it's going to be. Yeah. Sound very presidential. Martin Sheen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, that went on. Yeah. That narration goes on forever and then never comes back. Was Altered States one of uh, Steven's picks for the draft, yes. the horror movie draft? Because he's in Altered States. There was a second movie. His first movie was that narration from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, who was uh, he? Was just friends with Toby Hooper, um, and that's why he did it. He wasn't like famous or anything. They were just friends, and he has a pretty good voice. That's so, so cool. isn't that cool? Sorry, that I knew that. Uh, Thank you for telling I knew me. That. That. And it reminded me to bring up Martin yes, Sheen. Yes, there we go. That was good. There we go. Oh, and he's also in Stripes. That's right. Um, Oh, that's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, Love Bill Murray. Yeah. All right. Good movie. JFK. Thumbs up. Thumb- oh, do we want to do some quotes? I know we've talked oh, a lot yeah, about yeah. what we, Ebert had to say, but um, is there anything we haven't talked about that he says that we want to mention? There's. Yeah. Um, from his first paragraph, he says, I have no opinion on the factual accuracy of his 1991 film, JFK. I don't think that's the point. This is not a film about the facts of the assassination, but about the feelings. Okay, well, he repeats himself in the second paragraph. Films are about emotions. My notion is that JFK is no more or less factual than Stones, Nixon, or Gandhi, Lawrence Arabia, Gladiator, Amistad, Out of Africa, My Dog Skip. My Dog Skip. I like that My Dog Skip. I love My Dog Skip being thrown What a list of movies. Um, And also, I don't think Lawrence of Arabia could, like, his, it's less factual elements be, you know, transcribed into something problematic like jfk so i think it's a little bit of a different thing yeah but i get his point it's a good point or any other movie based on real life i think we could bring this back to social network as well this movie is a lot very much like social network oh, sure. um all that we can reasonably ask is that it's skillfully made and seems to approach some kind of emotional truth and i think i think that sums the movie up the movie has a lot of emotional truth and uh really conveys it pretty well for the most part. Yeah, this is one of um, Ebert's best essays. Um, yeah. Specifically because it, it does not just summarize the plot of the movie, um, which he, I think he doesn't feel compelled to do because it's like, what's he going to have to... How did we... Co- right. They, they, we, uh, everything that comes up, they're just like, conspiracy. Right, and, and <laughs> it's just like, well, you know, he's not going to need to tell us the story of the JFK assassination. Like, you no, know, so he's sort of... This. And so he has these great, like, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but he has like this entire paragraph um that basically talks about, or I'll just do this part, which is, um, 
talking about Oliver Stone. His secret is that he doesn't intend us to remember all of his pieces and fit them together and arrive at logical conclusions. His film is not about the case assembled by his hero, New Orleans State Attorney Jim Garrison. It's about Garrison's obsession. The film's thrust is not toward truth, but toward frustration and anger. And like, yeah, that's that's what it's doing. Um, yeah, you're good. Good one. It is. Yeah, I was also then reading the other part. Um, I also liked where he says, um, talks about how there's another book that says that actually this is all wrong and it did just happen like the Warren Commission said. And he says, JFK argues, and most of, most of us still agree, that Oswald's high-speed accuracy is hard to believe. It reflects our gut feelings. It speaks for our dark suspicions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I like that he seems to... Uh, he seems to be more on Oliver Stone's side than Walter Cronkite's side. He, no, he t- I, do kind of, I do kind of appreciate that. He definitely that. is. And I, and I like yeah. that he's kind of, and he kind of acknowledges, like, we can't prove any of this, but it, it speaks to us because we feel that this might must be yeah. the case, which is fair. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. What do you guys think? Thumbs up? Oh. Thumbs up for me. good to say. All right. And Dylan, where did you land with star rating? 3.5. Very nice. Wow. That is much higher than I was expecting. What about you? Yeah, I, w- I would have lost a lot of money betting on you coming in with a 3.5. I know. With you I would have lost in, a lot of money. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going the same, 3.5. And I'm going the same as well. So wow. across the board. Cool. Yeah, cool movie. I think our second ever straight 3.5. I can't remember what the first one, but I remember pointing that out once. But it's a, it's a fun thing to do straight 3.5s. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Good deal. All right, what else do you want to, do you want to run down what we've been watching? Yes. Had a good week. All right. Tell us about what you've been watching. I saw Akira Kurosawa's Dreams, which, Nick, have you seen? No, I own it, but I've not watched it yet. Okay. Um, it's beautiful. Like, he was, it's indescribable to even approach that movie. And one of the best movie cameos of all time. Marty, I, I, yeah. I don't so think Martin it's a secret. Scorsese, I think it's pretty well known that I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, so like when he showed up as Vincent Van Gogh and was like, "This is what art is." I'm just like, "Okay, you got me, Kurosawa." <laughs> That's um, he's right. That is what art is. Anytime yeah. Marty's on screen, anytime he shows up on screen. <laughs> so that Shark Tale, it's all. Uh... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It really, it felt like um, it, the movie just cut into one of like uh, Martin Scorsese's like introductions to a movie where it's just like, this is what art is, you know, this is a little spiel. Um, I saw, I rewatched Touch of Evil, which is a movie that I've always been a little colder on than most people. Um, I was wrong. I will retract my opinion. The movie's a masterpiece. Um, good to know when you were wrong. And uh, I was wrong. And I was twice wrong. This, twice this week. Yeah. 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 Two big ones. Um, I saw Nicholas Ray's The Lusty Men, which I don't think I have you seen. Nope. Oh, I've um, seen The Lusty Men. No, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> what a bit. Um, it's an incredible title. A, it is an incredible title. It's an incredible movie. It'll probably be in my top 10 to 15 new watches of the year. It is It is unbelievable. Um, up there with Johnny Guitar in, in a lonely place. Like, I, I'm... Mm. I'm can't hype this movie up enough. And then I saw On Dangerous Ground, another noir by Nicholas Ray. Not as good. Um, some some major character 
and plot problems in it, but still excellent. Um, I saw the all too well uh, Taylor Swift short film. It was all right. Um, I saw Lady from Shanghai last night. Um, a movie where I was like, this is a pretty great noir. And then the final five minutes happened and I was like, hell yeah. I, I don't know if I can watch watching that for the first time is pretty unmatchable for a, a, a single scene to watch. Very good. Um, and I saw the Magnificent Ambersons, which I, I think if you know me, it's unsurprising that that's probably my new favorite Orson Welles movie. Fair enough. Very me. That's really good. Um, and now I want to kind of bring it all together. The three of us. Two of us watched Deep Cover for yes. the first time this week, oh, and yeah. another one of us watched it recently for the yeah, first time. Yeah, like maybe a month or so ago. Well, I think once yeah, Criterion put it out, so it is, uh, you know. So how good is Deep Cover? It's real good. Good movie. It's a good movie. Unbelievably good movie. Yeah, it's it's really fantastic. It's it's one of those movies where I can't believe it's just been around for like 25 years, and I had no idea. Uh, I had yeah. not heard of it until Criterion nope. was releasing it, and I saw like people I follow on Letterboxd seem to like it, and I'm like, oh, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum, I'll check this out. Caught it, and I was like, <laughs> was like, whoa, where's this movie been? Like, how come? It's crazy. I mean, maybe, maybe it's. I mean, I'm sure it's me and not the movie. Although it, like, it's more I mean, society than the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, good for Criterion. The... Good for Criterion for putting it out. Yeah, no it's, kidding. They, they've sort of been in the discussion of, like, they haven't released enough films by black directors, and, mm -hmm. and it was a fair point to bring across. I think this was, like, the perfect movie to pull out of, like, this was something that could have been basically just a pop culture, popular yeah. movie in the moment, but was kind of buried by the studio. Yeah, it's... And, like, let, let's recognize this as a great movie deserving in our collection. It was a perfect call. Yeah. No, I, I am so glad they did that because it is so worth highlighting. And it's like you said, it's such a good movie and it's so watchable and it is, it's not like, it's not inaccessible. It's not like mm -hmm. it is. Oh, it's so accessible. Like, well, like, especially with, um, by the time of the, like the scene at the end and they're at the ports and stuff, I'm like, this is like, it's like the usual suspects, but better. Like, yeah. you know, so it's, it's just, yeah. Ah, crazy. Um, I feel bad saying this because I think this is Fishburne's best performance and he's incredible in it. Goldblum is out of like his mind in this movie. So yeah. good. Especially at the end. Like he really the yeah. end is so good. He goes from like this patsy better call Saul like I mean like dickwad mm -hmm. is maybe the best word to describe the person he is. Yeah. And by the end he is one of the most scary, intimidating powerful he goes, people. He goes from Saul to Walter White. Yeah, pretty much. He really does. And um there there there's basically a western standoff between the two of them at the end, and it it, it is electric. Yep. Just so good. I'm so glad I watched that movie for November. Um good. And then I saw the last thing I watched was this short film called Evie's Video Project. I don't know if oh. you guys have seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gotta get that logged on letterboxed. <laughs> I was waiting to do that bit. But it was amazing. A lot of lot of quotable moments. She's so funny. Oh my god. It was the tire swing, the most fun. The swing. most fun. The most fun. She's not wrong. Or 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 like where she's like talking to uh stinking. She's like, come back here, boy. No. <laughs> Come back, or she calls Noah, ma'am. 
Noah, get back I did, here. I did enjoy. And Noah, Noah doesn't have any time for this. I did enjoy yeah, no. Noah's cameo, who just is sort of like, why, what, huh? Yeah, he just immediately runs away yeah. from her. Fair. Fair instincts. Yeah. I like when she just gets so obsessed about singing about a lamp and uh, <laughs> something else, and then just cuts to, like, and this is Bluey. Oh, that, <laughs> it's like a stuffed animal. that was a great moment. Um, to, great moment to, of to editing. To be clear, we are talking about a, a school project that Nick's daughter yeah, made. My four-year-old. Yeah. My, <laughs> very, she, she, turns, she turns five on Thursday. Aw, uh, happy hey, birthday. happy birthday. Wow. But yeah, she had to do a, a tour of her house. And she filmed almost all of it. You can see like her little hand sticking out. Yeah, yeah, her she finger, her so finger covers in the frame. <laughs> yeah. In almost every shot, did at you, some point, it's like. Did you just give her like your phone, or how did she? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, she she takes pictures and videos with our phones a lot. Her thing is, uh, t- she'll take picture. She'll take like second long videos of her stuffed animals, like her her stuffed dogs that are in the. Mm-hmm. that make an appearance and she'll just they, go, they make all a different woof yeah she'll she'll just record them going woof and then stop it and it's like half a second long <laughs> amazing <laughs> so edit those together into like a little impressionistic short film <laughs> just all the different get, dogs get going, to, <laughs> we need to like uh reincarnate maya Duran and um just give her all those <laughs> yeah. woofs and then she'll be like <laughs> i see a film oh god yeah good stuff all right nick what have you been yeah. watching Oh, uh, I closed my thing. So we we rewatched um, Interstellar, which I haven't seen since in, since it was in theaters. Um, Nellie had never seen it before. Oh. And were you like the guy in the TikTok, just like she was. She loved it. I I liked it much more than I did the first time. I still have okay. a lot. Like I still have so many problems with that script. That script. <laughs> yeah. That script is just a dumpster fire. But uh, it it looks real good. It sounds real good. McConaughey's great in it. He's so good on it, yeah. He's so good is, on it. There's is so that much. His best performance of the McConaughey in a movie, not like including True Detective or anything. I think it might be. I think it probably. I tell you one thing: it's not Dallas Buyers. No, I, 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 no, I'm no, tempted no, no. to say Magic Mike because I love the Magic Mike so much. But I'm this, oh, yeah, this no, obviously this is a lead mm-hmm. performance, though. Oh, also, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those are rookie numbers. Another movie he shows up in like ten minutes in, and it's like a three-hour long movie, but everyone just remembers. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, um, it's I I still have so many problems with it, but this yeah. time watching it, the good outweighed the bad as opposed to the first time. I always acknowledge that, like even the part when he uh, like is watching the video when I initially gave this movie like two and a half stars. Even then, I'm like that part when he's watching his kids grow up is just like incredibly moving. Did, but were, did, was Evie alive then? No, not when I saw it the first time. But even then, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not dead inside. Like, no, but I, I feel like I just saw a review of yours where you're like, watch this the first time with my wife a few months pregnant, getting a little misty eyed, and then you said, oh, that's arrival. Watch this with oh, arrival. arrival. There you go. Yeah, and you were just, and that was another one where you were just like, sure, I wasn't heartless then, but like having a kid was like, yeah, it, it hit different. Sean's yeah. been talking about this a lot in the Big Picture podcast. Yeah. Where he's like, as, these movies were emotional, and now they're devastating. As, as a father. As a father of daughters. Yeah. Uh, what else did I watch? I watched uh, a noir called The Garment Jungle, which was decent. Um, it's about... What made you choose that one? It's a part of like the Columbia noir set from Indicator. So I've just been mm. working my way through those. Okay. Um. I watched um, 
Labyrinth of Cinema, the Obayashi, Obayashi's final movie, the guy who made House. Mm-hmm. This movie is fucking wild. Um, it's good. it's so good. I to describe it, it's like people are going. It's sort of um, like the Goodbye Dragon Inn, where people are going to it see does a movie. Sound a little, I like it. On, I, th- I think it's supposed to be the last day that, that the theater is playing and then like characters from the audience somehow get transported into the movies but the it's very like dream logic so you never really know like what's happening where you are the characters also don't know what's going on um, the whole like basically the whole movie is shot using green screens so it has like this really like purposely artificial feel to it but it's beautiful and then it takes a turn in like the last it's three hours long the last hour um it starts to go hard into like a little bit less away from history of cinema and history of japan to hiroshima and it goes Something from he's been obsessed with in yeah, every movie yeah it goes from like silly kind of fun while having some serious bits to like the opposite where it's like this well this is incredibly serious it still has a little bit of goofiness to it but it's like quite sad and melancholic it's 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 a great movie um trying to think of if i can finagle my way into calling it a 2021 release like some people seem to be doing so i can put it on my list even though it came out technically two years ago (laughs) yeah but like (laughs) like 10 people saw it two years ago yeah, and 100 yeah. people saw it last year like what yeah. are we talking about here yeah so i i'm probably gonna cheat and call this a 2021 hell yeah nick good for you i feel like the last two years as, the, as the, like yeah what year doesn't did anything happen in as someone who's not a stickler at all for category fraud, I will call this a 2021 movie. <laughs> and then la- so last night I watched uh, The Killer of the John Woo movie for the first time. Uh, it rolls. Oh, that movie's awesome. <laughs> that movie's really good. Uh, lots of good. That was so good. People getting shot. Oh, my God. A lot of people getting so, shot. So, so many people. <laughs> In the last like 20 <laughs> minutes, just like <laughs> thousands of people get shot, it seems like. Uh, so, yeah, I had I had a blast with that. Um so that was my week. Yeah. yeah. What did you watch this week, Jana? Um, so just a handful of things. We already talked about Deep Cover. Um, good movie. Um, and then for the, uh, I had a first time watch of the Billy Wilder movie, Ace in the Hole, which I had not seen oh, yeah. before. That's, a good That's movie. the best it's movie. It's a really good it's movie. It's an Albuquerque. Yeah. And yeah. The big, big time Albuquerque movie. Um, then. As you would expect, gorgeous movie. Um, I saw it a list, listed. Depressing I, movie. Jesus, I saw it listed on like a lot of noir lists. It, it doesn't feel like. I feel like it's kind of borderline if it's actually noir or yeah. not. Well, it, it sort really of fits into just the western noir subgenre. Yeah, I guess. And fun subgenre. It's just it's it. The western noir makes sense, but it is kind of distinct from yeah. film noir itself. Yeah. It sort of has like a noir tone to it right. of just like super nihilistic. Oh, it's God, so yeah, cynical. It's so the cynical. ending, the last like 10 minutes of Ace in the Hole is one of the most cynical like last 10 minutes. It, it's like, it really is. What it, if all of humanity sucks? And, and spoiler alert for Ace in the Hole if, if anyone hasn't seen it. Um, 
go ahead and skip or what have you. But like the fact that the last 10 minutes are just him running around having been fully stabbed in the stomach. <laughs> and then yep. he, God, it goes, he goes on. on. He keeps going to the point where I'm just like, but I thought that, oh, okay, nope, caught up with him eventually. All right. But like, yeah, no, it's the like, entire you're last like, did, 10 he, did, minutes. did it affect him? Like he, he got stabbed pretty badly. It's like, is he going to die? Right. Yeah, he's still eventually, alive. but he's gonna run a bunch of he's gonna do a bunch of tasks first, uh, and travel and do things, and like okay, buddy, um, but yeah, what a what a good movie. Uh, so that was really excellent. And then yesterday went to the theater and saw Tick Tick Boom, the um, Andrew Garfield starring uh, Lin Manuel what's Miranda. That movie called, actually, more like Tick Tick Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is really primed to hope haven't seen, like it. So haven't he seen it. Haven't seen it yet, but I'm keeping that one in the pocket. I thought it was really good. I was really impressed. Um, you know, it's, it's a weird show to choose to adapt for about 18 million reasons. Um, but I thought it was really good. Andrew Garfield is phenomenal in it. Um, thought, he's the main thing I'm looking forward to. That yeah, he's, I really like his show. his performance is really fantastic. Um, I was I was pretty blown away by it. So that was really good. Um, and Even most of the negative reviews I've seen mm-hmm. have yeah. said, like, movie, you know, yeah. didn't like it, but Garfield was Yeah, I don't think you can really have qualms with his performance, really. And then, and I really, I like the music. Like, I like Jonathan Larson's music, so, like, that's going to take me probably three quarters of the way there. Um, there's nothing yeah. special. There's, there's a couple of moments that I think are, are pretty well directed, um, but otherwise it's not, like, really anything super standout uh, direction-wise, but that performance is so good. Um, and then I am 10 minutes late to this joke, but speaking of lusty men, uh, <laughs> watched a little movie last night called Beautrify. Um, oh, yeah. Which, yeah, see? I, I was like, oh, see, I could have made that joke. Um, uh, yeah. Good movie. Heard good things? <laughs> good movie. That, that cleared a niche. She can, uh, she can shoot a picture. Um, yeah, it was, it was really fantastic. Not oversold. What did you think about the ending? Pretty good ending. Um, oh, yeah, so good. it is really good. I like how another round's just like, yeah, cool ending. I'm gonna do Pretty it. Pretty much. Like, I mean, yeah, that's yep. it's it's really good. Um, yeah, so that was really fantastic. And then we have got to wrap up because I need to oh, yeah. walk out of here because I am going to go see Belfast in 30 minutes. Heck yeah. Um, which I'm very excited about. You know, who I I don't know. The reviews of it are kind of all over the place. I've seen a lot of people write it off as like, you know, wah-wah Oscar bait. Then I've seen some reviewers that I really like say it's better than that. So we'll mm-hmm. see. But Kenneth Branagh is going to be there. So I'm going to go see Kenneth Branagh oh. in person. Um, he's going to introduce the if movie. He, if he asks, tell him we all appreciate him in Henry V. Oh, I will let him know. Um, Can you tell him we all appreciate him in Much Ado About Nothing and to cast Denzel in a romantic comedy part again? Sure. Um, Thank you. <laughs> we, uh, but yeah, it's gonna, he's going to be there and then select members of the cast. So I don't know who that's going to be. Cool. But maybe I'll get to see Jamie I Dorn hope Theron Hans is in there. I, what if it's Judy what Dench? Like, it won't be. But what if like Judy Dench walked in? But I'm, I, it'll probably be like Jamie Dornan and Katrina Balfe or something. But uh, If you see Jamie Dornan, you can ask like, him about I'll the shirt. ask him about his shirt. Yeah, be like... Can you get your exact shirt yeah, from the movie? Yeah, can you movie? just, like, send me that? Dry clean it, bring it to me, I need to deliver it to a friend. <laughs> right, I think that's what I'll do. Um, but yeah, so next week I'll report back on Belfast. Um, but that's okay. that's what I've been up to. And I think that's it for this week, um, yep. since I need to get out of here. So thank you to everyone yep. for joining us. Um, next week we'll be discussing the Dolce Vita, is that correct? Yes. All right. Another three-hour movie. Let's go. Jesus. All right. Uh, well, until then, you can follow us on both Twitter and Letterbox at Great Movies Pod. Thanks, as always, to our friend Scott Brady for our artwork. And you can follow him on Twitter at S. Brady Artist. And that is it for us this week. Roger out. Roger out. Roger out.
La Dolce Vita is not streaming anywhere. I mean, is it rentable? Though? Like, I'm just... it doesn't look like it. Well, I don't have it I'm on stopped. disc. I'll stop recording. And when I go to the movies, I am that person on the screen. I am having vicariously an experience that happened to someone else. And that makes me a better person. That to see good films and to see important films is one of the most profoundly civilized experiences that we can have as people.